Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. I wanted to go over a question that everybody asks all the time, especially people that are more favorable to the Austrian view or freedom, liberty, free market capitalism, gold, Bitcoin, etc. They're always trying to figure out, well, when is the dollar going to inevitably crash? I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting. It's just a matter of time. So let's get into that question more specifically right now. See if we can connect some dots because as we know, all global reserve currencies come to an end. Now that doesn't mean that the currency goes away, but its status as the global reserve currency does. And usually that means that it depreciates in value. And that's what people are talking about when they're referring to the dollar, quote unquote, crashing. Well, usually they can also be referring to the dollar crashing against goods and services in the United States. Let's focus on the dollar outside of the United States against other currencies. So let's shoot over to this chart that my good buddy Andrew Henderson tweeted the other day. And I tried to blow this up, guys. I apologize. This is as much as I can zoom it. It's from the Visual Capitalist, which is a fantastic website. Super cool. And this is visualizing currencies devaluation against the dollar. So this is what has happened in since, well, it looks like the timelines here are January 2021 to September, October of 2022. So not totally up to date, but this gives you an idea of what happened during that time, time frame. So in we start off by looking at this chart, which shows us annually if it's gone up or down and then to what degree. Again, this is against other currencies, so this would most likely be a reflection of the DXY. And in 2022, it went up by 8.5%. Recently, it's been down a little bit, still hovering around 103, which is uh, still very high. Most people say, oh my gosh, the dollar's crashing. But uh, if you look at a chart going back to 2008 or 2010, 2011, the dollar was actually down in the 70s, in the 70s. So the dollar can go down a long, long way and still technically not crash or maybe better said, still retain its reserve currency status. So let's go down through some of these specifics, which I think you'll find interesting. Canadian dollar the was down 6% during this time frame. Chinese yuan, 6%. Indian rupee, 11 Swiss franc was even down 4%, 4.1. Aussie dollar, 10.7. British pound, 9%. Euro, 12%, 12.7. And yen, 23.5. And this goes back to the Istanbul, the Turkey trip that I had, what, two, three, four weeks ago. And I was doing some boots on the ground research, as I shared with you guys, and asking as many people as I could about seeming weird. <laughs> what, what are you doing to protect yourself against the significant inflation here in Turkey? Wouldn't call it hyperinflation yet, but 60, 70, 80% inflation, that is a lot. And we're sitting here complaining about 
six or, or, or nine or 10 or 15 or something like that, which is bad. I'm not saying that's not bad. That, that's really, really bad. But man, just imagine 80 or 90, 100%. And what most of them are doing going into the dollar, they're, what they're doing is the prices of goods and services, most of them are priced in lira and people earn lira. But as soon at the end of the month, as soon as they have excess in their account, they immediately switch that over to dollars. So their form of money has forked and kind of bifurcated into two completely separate buckets. So the transactional side of it is the lira, but the store of value side of it is the dollar, the euro, or gold. And and the dollar by far was the most popular. More anecdotal evidence, when I was going through the airport on the way out, I stopped at a coffee shop, and this is in Istanbul. Everything priced in lira, but I was paying, and I paid with cash, and I remember the gal opened up the register to where, you know, it kind of like the, the drawer pops out, and I just happened to notice, look in there, and like 95% of the currency in her drawer, in her change drawer, was USD. What's dollars? So, if we're trying to figure out when the dollar is going to quote unquote crash, and let's define that by not necessarily by losing its reserve state status, but uh, maybe more so by going back down to 70, 60, 50, maybe even on the DXY. Let's focus on that question. And I think to begin, we have to figure out. What would make the dollar go down against goods and services in their local economy? So many Americans have such a difficult time getting their head around why on earth would anyone want to buy the dollar? It's a flawed currency. It's doomed. It's this, it's this, which it is. You're right. And they they say, well, the dollar's losing value. We've got inflation here. Headline CPI is 6.5%, but we know it's a lot higher than that. So what fool would want to hold these stupid dollars? Well, the fool that had their expenses denominated in something other than dollars. Therefore, if they hold dollars, they're actually gaining, they're increasing their purchasing power. You see, the people in Turkey or Japan or Europe or wherever, they don't care about the inflation rate in the United States. They could absolutely care less. They care about the the inflation rate in the United States about as much as you watching this video care about the inflation rate in Guam. <laughs> that was the most random country I could think of. Or as, as much as you care about the inflation rate in Thailand or something. They, they don't care. It doesn't impact them at all. That just impacts Americans. So if that dollar is going up by, let's say Japan right here, 23% in a year and a half. And the inflation rate in Japan at the time was not 23%. We know that for sure. So let's say the price denominated in yen for goods and services went up by 5%, but yet the dollar appreciated by 23.5. So my let's just say that... Um, 18%. You had an 18% gain in the value of your dollars relative to the goods and services you buy daily. 
while at the same time, that green piece of paper lost, let's say 10% of its value in the United States against goods and services denominated in dollars. So when you're trying to figure out global dollar demand, you, you can't just get fixated on, well, the government's gonna have to print money or we've got all these deficits. Uh, we've got social security, we've got unfunded liabilities. The interest rate on the debt is going up to from 2% to 5%. Therefore, somehow we're gonna have to have more currency units and therefore, since we have more currency units in the United States, the dollar is going to implode. But the flaw in that thinking is assuming the international dollar is directly tied to the domestic dollar. And you guys know from watching my videos, that's not the case. You've, you've got to look at them as two completely separate currencies. And let's just say they do have to I hate to use the word print money. You guys know that. But let's say they, that there are more currency units that are created. There's more M2 money supply created as a result of the fiscal policies that we will have in the United States over the next five years. Okay. Well, what is the transfer mechanism to get those dollars outside of the United States to add more supply, assuming the euro dollar market isn't doing it on its own? Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. then you've got to factor that in too, now that I think about it. Because if, let's just say that the budget deficits, let's say that's your answer. Oh, George, the budget, or excuse me, the trade deficits are going to explode. So we're exporting all of these dollars and that's going to decrease the value because of the additional supply of dollars. Okay, well, again, that assumes that the Euro dollar market is creating the same. Therefore, on net balance, you'd have an increase. But what if the global economy is slowing down and therefore you would assume that the euro dollar system would create fewer dollars and therefore even if the trade deficit goes from say 100 100 billion a month up to who knows a, a, a trillion let's take it to an extreme it goes up to a trillion a month does that mean that there's more dollars circulating in the global economy maybe definitely a tailwind definitely a variable but it depends because the United States doesn't produce all the dollars. And I know that sounds weird, but well, you guys know that from watching my videos. The majority of the dollars that are created are created outside of the United States. And I'm talking about the vast majority of dollars. So you, it, again, it's these cross currents, right? Yes, if we had a trillion dollar 
deficit, trade deficit, that would shoot dollars out of the United States. But on net balance, does that mean there's an increase? I don't know. Because to a certain point, that's just a drop in the bucket. So let's say we've got a $75 trillion system, or probably closer to 100. So you've got a $100 trillion system, and we're shooting out a trillion dollars a month. Okay, well, that's $12 trillion a year. So if we go into a global recession and the euro dollar market is producing 10, 15% fewer dollars because counterparty risk increases, well, then that 12 trillion a year that's going outside the United States, that that's just filling the gap. There is no increase on net balance. So these are the things that you really have to start thinking about if you want to attach probabilities and then a time frame as to when the dollar might depreciate significantly. Again, talking about going down to 80, 70, 60, something like that. So now let's go over to another chart from my good buddy, Macro Alf. And this is dollar-denominated debt issued to foreign non-bank entities. So it's not all-inclusive. I don't think it ever could be because there's so many of those dollars that are in the shadows and bank interbank kind of that network of the euro dollar system we talked about. There's no way to really quantify, but I guess they can quantify. And I think this is a chart from the bank of international settlements. So I think they can quantify how much debt is going to non-bank entities. So the world is represented by the chart on the left the emerging markets, and I'm guessing that's developing economies or or developed economies. It's probably emerging market developed economies. So I don't know. I don't know what the difference would be between emerging market developing economies and the world. What would be included in the world that's not emerging market, like uh, frontier markets, maybe? Just a guess. So we can see that emerging markets, and I think this is developing economies, the amount, the percent the percentage of overall debt denominated in dollars going back to 2004 was 50% in this category. Well, actually in the world, it was around 2003. Yes, in the world, it was around 50% as well. And then you had this dramatic decline, which I would need to do some further research as to why. Why? Did people all of a sudden not like dollars? Maybe that's because the DXY went up significantly. Let's go ahead and check the DXY. Going back to, aha, there's the reason. Josh, what do you think of them apples? Look at you go. Look at me go in real time. So this most likely explains why the dollar-denominated debt went down. No one wanted to borrow dollars because... uh, People just thought, you know, recency bias, that the dollar is going to continue to go up and up and up and up and up. And if it goes up and up and up and up, no one wants to borrow in dollars, especially if the if there's no macroeconomic or geopolitical reason to, you know, risk off type thing. So because they don't want to have to pay those dollars back that are more expensive. And so they're like, no, 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 no dollar denominated debts. <laughs> so as a result of them not wanting the dollar denominated debt, most likely less demand. And that could be why, obviously, there's 
zillions of variables, but that could be why we see such a, a dramatic decline in the percentage of overall debt denominated in USD, which obviously is ironic because as the amount goes down, that probably creates a headwind for the dollar. And it might be a self-fulfilling prophecy. The dollar goes up here. And as a result, no one wants to borrow in it. And because no one wants to borrow in it, therefore the demand decreases, the value goes down. And then it gets to a point where they, they, they should have been borrowing. You know, they're always on the wrong side of the trade, so to speak. Uh, hmm, that is that is interesting, isn't it? As they stop, then the dollar goes down, and the result of them stopping produced the dollar decline or maybe significantly contributed to it. So anyway, uh, let's get back on topic here. So then the dollar goes down to like 70, and same thing. We have this cycle all over again where they get the recency bias and like, oh my gosh, the dollar's gone from 120, 118, all the way down to 70. The dollar's going to go down to 60, 50, 30, 40, blah, 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 blah. So let's go ahead and start borrowing dollars, borrowing dollars. <laughs> and then also you had the GFC. So then you've got the flight to safety. So a higher percentage of dollars. And then that just continues to go up and up and up starting in 2012. And uh, I guess on both charts here, you can see that significant uptrend starting in 2012. And it really skyrockets in 2016 with emerging markets and developing economies. So now let's go over and look at the DXY we see from 2012. And sure enough, a similar type of action on the chart that you'd expect as the dollar denominated debt goes up. Demand for dollars. And therefore, the dollar appreciates relative to other fiat currencies. So what's the punchline? Punchline is if you want to try to time this or get an idea of probabilities, you've really got to pay attention to this chart. And I, I wish I had one. In fact, later on today, I'm going to try to go through their website. Josh, why don't you write that down to go through the Bank of International Settlements website to try to get up-to-date data or as up-to-date as possible as we can see, this only goes to the middle of 2020. So that would be fascinating to see what is happening now in 2023 and then what happened in 21 and 22 as well. But the, the, the main takeaway, guys, is if you're trying to figure out when the dollar is going to crash or if it's crashing, you've got to look at this metric. USD denominated debt issued to foreign non-bank entities. And if you see this black line really start to plummet, really start to go down, there's a good chance that you're also going to see the dollar start to go down. But I want to be very clear. This is only one of probably hundreds, if not thousands of variables. We live in a sea of cross currents when we're trying to figure out this macro landscape. And some of those cross currents are tsunamis. Some of them are just little waves that go by. So we have to understand that there are all these cross currents happening at any given time, but then we have to look at things that most likely will be tsunamis. And I think that this would be one thing that could be uh, a very large wave. <laughs> That's for sure. Definitely something we should pay attention to.
All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. See you in the next video.